0: But basically, um, everywhere is is where God has called you. It's where it's where you live. It's where you work. It's um, the places that you shop. It's it's everywhere. God has called us, and we'll look at the scripture. But God has called us to represent Him everywhere, everywhere. And so what we've done is we we've played with the words a little bit, try to make it a little bit more catchy, and we say that everyone has an everywhere. Everyone has an everywhere. Where's your everywhere? And then what we're asking you to do is send us a picture. Send us a selfie. That's what you saw. These pictures, these selfies of people in there everywhere. And so we know this is going to build. You guys have responded so well already. It's been amazing to see the pictures. It's been amazing. It's been so much fun to see you guys, in your environments, and your in where you are throughout the week, just take a quick picture, if you will, um, in your workplace, wherever you would say your everywhere is, where you are called, where where God has led you, and just get yourself in that picture. Maybe it's outside where you work, and then email it to us. Just send it to us so we can get it on the screen because this is going to build. This is going to build, and and as more and more of us are participating and joining in with that, you're going to watch how the momentum begins to move. It's the old old picture of how do you move a big rock. You know, at first, it's just a little bit at a time, and it takes a lot of energy moving that big rock, but all of a sudden, that big rock begins to catch momentum. And I believe that you're going to see this big rock moving through, the vineyard here in Rolla, and we're going to see incredible transformation, not only within our walls, but also in our community. I absolutely believe that. I absolutely believe that. So get in. Join in. Take a picture. My everywhere. Take a picture. Of my. Every- you don't have to put that, those letters on there. We'll actually do that. But just get us a good picture. Um, send it to our email, info at and uh, we'll get it out there. Put it on your social media. That's been fun—Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you use. Put it out there. It's been a lot of fun watching those roll in. So good, good stuff. Good stuff. And and if you want to rehear the message, or if you want to share the message that you're going to hear this morning with someone. It is on our website, so it's going to be on our website at some point this week. If you didn't catch last week's message, you can go to our website, Vineyardrolla.org, listen to the message, and uh, that'll help kind of catch you up with my everywhere. But listen, everything we do here is going to be to prepare you for your everywhere. Everything we do here. Everything I say, every bit of worship, every class, every small group, everything that we do, our kids' ministry is to prepare us for our everywhere. So it's good. It's good. All right, so there are 26 letters in the English alphabet. Yes? (laughs) In the Webster's Dictionary, there's over 470,000 entries and counting. And according to a group called the English Monitor or the English Language Monitor, there are over 1 million 25,109.8 words in the English language. I'm not sure how that works out, but there's always a point something in there when you're talking about st- statistics. Over 1 million words and that is growing because there's words that are being added as the as the English language, like words like selfie which was the, uh, the word of the year like I think three years ago. Every year there's a group that says that this is the, the word of the year, the new word of the year that describes some sort of trend. The word selfie was that word just a few years ago. In a study published by the Daily Mail, the UK Daily Mail in 2013, it said this, there's actual confirmation that women speak close to 20,000 words in a day, whereas their counterparts... Men share about 7,000 words in a day. I'll just leave that there. I'll just leave that one there. Words are our primary source of communication. Our words indicate our intention. They, they just have so much. They, they say so much about who we are, what we believe, what we're intend, intending to do. But what are words really worth? What are words really worth? Well, here's one measure, the average cost of a word for a fle- freelance, I almost said freelance, free, rent, free. <laughs> scratch that from the recording, freelance writer is about 65 cents per word. About 65, so if any of you are considering a career in freelance writing, you need to know, you're going to need a lot of words, 65 cents a word. We teach our kids that words matter, we sing songs about the impact of words. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never break me never hurt me. James in the Bible says that our tongues, speaking of the words that we speak, have the ability to, to create a, a spark that could set a whole forest on fire. Talking about the impact and the power of words. Jesus himself even suggests that through our words we would be acquitted, or through our words we could also even be found guilty. So there's a significance in our words. It's safe to say that words can be extremely important. Words can be extremely important. And every disciple of Jesus has been equipped with two very important tools. Two very important tools. Words or the message. And then power to then demonstrate that message. In fact, that was the way that Jesus lived his life. I've said this many times, and if you look at scripture in close examination, really not even close examination, but just a glance, you'll see that Jesus did two primary things when he was on this earth. He preached or he proclaimed the message of the good news of the kingdom, and then he demonstrated it. See Mark's gospel in Mark chapter 1. It reads like an action film. Jesus pronounces or announces that the kingdom is here, and then He demonstrates what that looks like when the kingdom comes. Through power. And that's exactly what His disciples have been called to do as well. If you have a Bible and you wouldn't mind turning with me, we're going to jump in right quick. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. If you need Wi-Fi for a phone or tablet that you follow along with in a a Bible app or something like that, we do have Wi-Fi here. The words will be on the screen as well. Luke chapter 9 So you say, you know, Matt, where do you get this crazy stuff? My everywhere. Everyone has an everywhere. Where does that come from? From the Bible. From the Bible, which is a really good source, right? Which is a really good source. So Luke chapter 9 is where we're going to read. But I'm going to invite you to stand as we uh, read God's Word or as I read it and as you follow along with me. So Luke chapter 9, verse 1 says this. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and he sent them to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. That's simply, if you want a summary of that, just that that sentence, that's proclamation, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and then demonstrating what it looks like when it comes. To proclaim the good news of the kingdom and to heal the sick. That's the way Jesus lived. That's the way that He um, calls His disciples to live. Let's keep, let's keep going here. He told them, He's speaking to His disciples, "Don't take anything for the journey: no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever, whatever you enter, whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people don't welcome you, leave their town. Shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them." So they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people where everywhere Everywhere. awesome awesome thank you so much go ahead and have a seat so that's where we got my everywhere from that very last sentence Jesus sent the disciples out to do two things proclaim the good news heal the sick so they set out and they went from village to village and they preached the good news everywhere everywhere. Now, for that little middle section, I'll just have to send you to the website to listen to last week's because message because I did a little explanation about that in there. And uh, I don't really have time for that this morning, but it might not, it, it may be different than the way that it sounded to you. But Jesus' disciples had two things. They had two things. They had the message and they had power. They had the message and they had power. And Jesus says to them very specifically, don't take anything else. Don't take anything else. So all you need is the message and power. Now this is really encouraging, could be also intimidating to every follower of Jesus since because that's what he says, he's consistent in his message. Every disciple that has come since then, that's what he says. You don't need a lot of other things. What you actually need as you're being sent, because Jesus' disciples are sent what you need is the message, and you need power. You need words, and you need power. You need words, and you need power. That's, the encouraging part of that is, that's still available to us today. We have the Word of God. We have it given to us very, uh, very plainly here that we can then take and we can absorb. We have prayer that Jesus has made available to us A very intimate type of prayer where we can ask God, what are you doing? Ask God for His Word. And then He has sent His power through Jesus for us to then live that out, for us to then work that out. Every disciple is sent. Every disciple has at their disposal two methods to then live out that that mission that Jesus calls us into. So into your everywhere you're taking the word and you're taking power with you. It's just really, really cool. If you're following along in your outline, the first blank says this: the disciples took Jesus' word everywhere. The disciples took Jesus' word everywhere. Just to show you a real quick um, demonstration, I want to illustrate this just a little bit further. Um, what this might look like. So I got, a, I got a little show and tell here this morning. We're doing a lot of things here. Um, hopefully I won't make a big mess. But uh, the disciples were given the word by Jesus and then took that word along with the power that he had given them everywhere. Ta-da! I love you guys. Put up with my silliness. So the disciples, in fact... What it looks like to be a disciple, it's like this. Yeah? I mean, can you guys in the way way balcony see what that is? Right? It's a what? Oh. What it did somebody said something different than a sponge. What'd you say? It does look like a big bar of Irish Spring Soap. You are not an Irish Spring bar of soap. You're not that. Every disciple could be described as a sponge, sponge. That's the way that, that the earliest disciples would have understood discipleship, in fact. I mean, we, we use the word disciple, um, but it's not really a contemporary word that, that we would use every day. I mean, follower may be a, a, a way to think about it, but the way that, that the earliest disciples thought of themselves was very similar to this. It was very similar to this. And as they approached their master, as they approached their teacher, they really did approach him this way. Now, if I were to take this and ring this out, there's nothing in it. Air. There's nothing in it. And that's the way that the disciple would approach their master properly. That's the way that their ma- the, the disciple would approach their teacher properly. They would come and say, I really have nothing to offer. I need you to teach me. I need you to fill me. And I want to absorb, I want to soak up everything that you have for me. That's really how a disciple would have approached their teacher or their master. It's really still the way that if we're uh, intent on being disciples, intent on being followers, it's really a hill actually that we have to climb as we come to Jesus And what I mean by that is we all have experiences we all have information we all have things that have gone on in our life that have contributed to what we know we were taught somehow we were either taught through school we were taught through our, by our parents or our grandparents or our friends but we've all learned some things But actually what Jesus is asking us, actually what a disciple is, is that someone would come to their teacher, their master, and say, you know, I really don't have anything to offer you. I need what you have. I need what you have. It's a really, really challenging part of coming to Jesus. There's a real challenge there, just to be honest with you. There's a real challenge there was a saying, or uh, could have even been understood as a proverb, that a disciple, the, uh, the wish of the disciple was that the dust of the master's feet would collect on their garments. And what that means is, I, I if I'm a disciple, I want to follow my teacher, my master, so closely that as he walks, that the dust from his sandals would collect on, on me. That's how close I wanted to be to him. That's really. An understanding of discipleship. And that's really helpful as we come to Jesus. Because it frames frames the understanding that he would have had. About people that want to give their lives to him. About people who would say that they are disciples. But a disciple is very much like a sponge. Very much like a dry sponge when they first come. And then of course Jesus is his knowledge, let's say, his, the way that he lives his life would be represented in the water. And so the, the disciple actually plunges their life into his, soaking up, soaking up whatever they can, taking in. Um, if you're familiar with the Bible, you remember the story of Mary and Martha. And you remember that um, Mary and Martha welcomed Jesus into their home. And Martha was really busy, what? Serving, cleaning, preparing, just making sure that the home was ready while Mary was doing what? She was sitting at Jesus' feet. What was she doing? She was soaking. She was soaking him in. Now, this is pretty high-level stuff, okay? So, if you came to hear a different type of message, sorry about that. So the disciples would then follow Jesus, and they would soak up from Jesus. And then what they would do, basically what he's saying in Luke chapter 6 is, I've poured into you, now I want you to pour into others. I've poured into you, Jesus would say, I've poured into you just like that sponge. And now in verse 6 of chapter 9, now I want you to go everywhere, and I want you to empty yourself. Whenever you go somewhere, right, all all I want you to take is what I gave you. All I want you to take is what I gave you. I don't want you to take any bread, any staff, any money, no extra tunic. I just want you to take what I gave you. What he gave them was his word and his power. His word and his power. And Jesus' disciples, they took his word everywhere. And so wherever they would go, they would basically just wring themselves out. Does that make sense? So that, that's what they're doing. They're giving away what Jesus gave them. And they would have understood it to be disobedience to give anything else. To embellish on any other part of what Jesus gave them. The good news is the kingdom is here. That's the word that he gave them. Next week we're going to talk about the implication of that word. What it actually looks like when the kingdom comes. But this week I want to focus on the word. I want to focus on our words and this is the way that Jesus his disciples would have done they would have taken from the master they would have soaked him in that's what they did through their life through their life experiences through following him through following him they were just soaking him in and a lot of times they didn't really understand what he was saying but they were taking it in they were taking it in often and sometimes Jesus would explain further sometimes he sort of left it a mystery But they were soaking him in. They were soaking him in. And then they went to the towns and the villages and basically just rang themselves out. This is what Jesus gave us. This is what it looks like to proclaim the word. The sponge gets filled. The disciple gets filled. The disciple gets sent. And then, let's just say, this represents the hearer of the message. Right? So this cloth, I know, you just got to go with me. This is the way my mind works. This cloth represents the hearer of that message because what, what, what they, they've been immersed in that word. They've been immersed in what? In the word of Jesus, in the message of Jesus. So they've been immersed in that, right? It's actually pretty cool when you think about it. That the disciples soaked in Jesus, were then sent out to go and preach that good news, and they rang themselves out as they gave Jesus' word out, as they gave his word out. Now, what does that look like for us? Because it's really important to take the Bible, digest it, and then allow it to shape and form and transform us into action, into action as we talk about my everywhere as we talk about where Jesus is sending you where Jesus has planting you I wanna I want to just challenge you I want you to think about the word that you're taking into that place what word are you taking everywhere what's the word what's the word because the truth is everyone has a word second blank there on your outline everyone has a word What's the word? What's your word? Turn to your neighbor and say, what's your word? Oh, you guys, come on. Am I really that dull? Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, what's your word? Jeez. You guys are like twisting, like this is like your arm, and you're being twisted in your arm there. Come on. Everyone has a word. Everyone has an experience in them. Everyone is being taught somehow, just like that sponge. When you are born, you are just like that sponge. In fact, it's one of the reasons that in the description of a person giving their life to Jesus, it says that you must be born again. You must be born again. And that really messed with Nicodemus' head. But actually, when you give your life to Jesus, it's the the idea of being born again. When you're born, you're just like the sponge. Like, you ever ask a baby a question? Or a toddler that can speak? I don't know. You tell me. Or I have a three-year-old. She's getting into the question phase of her life pray for me it's really challenging but she's like the sponge if I were to ask her a a question even a simple question she'd be like peanut butter we think those clouds are made of lily peanut butter and that's what she does so when you're born again you don't know anything that's exactly the idea that's exactly the idea it's the exact idea of discipleship it's being born again you you don't know anything and and really I mentioned that hill that we have to climb it's it's as though we do know something we do know things but then we have to submit those things that we know to Jesus and say are these things true or are they helpful do they bring life or are they of you do they bring me closer to you or are they things that I need to discard or walk away from but we're coming to jesus being born again just like that dry sponge so that's that's the idea of it that's the process of discipleship that's where we're headed But we're not quite there yet so we still take different words into our everywhere we still mixed in even with the best intentions we still Mixed in with the word of Jesus have a little word of Matt. Or Jim, my grandfather. I still have his words in me. Even though he's passed away. Or Wyatt, my grandfather on my other side. I still have some of his words in me. And so I'm bringing those words into my everywhere. Does this make sense? And the goal, the heart of the disciple is to take Jesus' words into you're everywhere. What's your word? What's your word? The whole thrust of this message is to pay attention, to be mindful of the word that you're preaching in your everywhere. What word are you giving? What word are you communicating? And it's not just a spoken word either, is it? There's multiple forms of, of communication nonverbal communication is just as powerful as verbal communication if I were to say to you I'm really glad to see you today and then go you would go well, "That was weird that was a weird kinda of thing to do and then you might question the authenticity of the word is he really glad to see me it doesn't seem that way What's your word? What word are you taking into your everywhere? Be mindful of the word that you're taking into your everywhere. And the goal is, is that we submit ourselves to Jesus. We become like this dry sponge. And we say, Jesus, I want to take your word into my everywhere. If your everywhere is your kids, Jesus, I want to speak your words into and over my kids. Into your workplace, If that's your everywhere, if that's where you say you've identified your everywhere, then you say, Jesus, I want to take your words into my workplace. I want to take your words into the grocery store. I want to take your words into this meeting I'm about to go into. What's your word? What's your word? It's so important. And it's, it's precisely, just to look at the other side of it, it's precisely what turns people off who are outside of faith about people who are, would consider themselves a person of faith. It's precisely what turns people off. Because it, it just, when our words and our actions don't match, it's hypocrisy. When we say one thing, if we say we're a believer, maybe even have a Bible on our desk, but we treat our coworker like garbage and if we're consistently complaining about our boss we go man if that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus I I can do that on my own see see how that works and then what we're saying if our everywhere again is our home or our kids what are we saying to them what kind of faith are we building into our kids when a crisis comes up, when a problem happens within the home, or even a celebration, where, is, where do we attribute? Where's the attribution in the home? If it's a celebration, you know what? Guys, God is good. And we get to enjoy this. And then we, we tie that together, and that's our word. That's our word. When troubles come, when problems happen, when, when one spouse loses a job, when, when you didn't get that promotion, you come home and you kick the dog. That's a word. I know none of you do that so that's for other people second service but they're the dog kickers but you you come home you kick the dog that's a word you come home and you're ugly or short with your spouse or your kids that's a word even if it's nonverbal what's your word as you're going into your everywhere what's your word cuz I know you guys are excited about this I see the pictures man you're ready you believe you have faith for your everywhere but what's the word are you taking Jesus's word into your everywhere or is it something else or is it something else words have power words have meaning last blank here on your outline be intentional about the source of your word be intentional about the source of your word because words in equal words out you believe that? Words in equal words out. So let me just show you what that might look like. Oh. Had a bleeder up here. So what we had was clean water cuz that's what Jesus gives us. Right? And now what we have is something different something different. Maybe uh, a word that's completely opposite of Jesus. Maybe it's a message that might be completely opposite of Jesus. Um, Just to be very frank, it might be some of the filth that's on the radio or the TV. And that's just trying to be as honest as I can. Because there's a lot of it. When we're intentional about our source, We want the clean water of Jesus, not the dirty water of culture. But here's what happens. We soak up wherever we're in. We soak that up. And so if we're spending vast amounts of time away from Jesus or vast amounts of time not connecting with him or being able to soak into his word, or like the disciples, the proverb of the disciples would say that I, I want the dust of the master's feet to collect on my garments, then that, if we're not pursuing that, if we're not diligent in that, if we're not intentional about the source of our word, then we're going to be soaking up something other than Jesus' word. And the same would be true. Then you go to your workplace or you're everywhere and you just... Because you're going to wring yourself out. You got to tell somebody, right? You got to say something, right? And then that's what ends up coming out of us. That's what happens when we're not intentional about our word. And we go into our everywhere, and then our everywhere begins to look like that our kids, our workplace. people around us begin to see us as someone that's toxic begin to separate themselves from us because you know what I just can't handle that negativity you ever met a negative person every time I feel like that I've been with that person there's an expression that I've I've used I've heard I just kind of feel slimy I just feel like I've been slimed you remember that person, that coworker, that, that friend that was in our everywhere, maybe our kids, that looked really, really clean? Whenever we took Jesus' word into our everywhere, here's what they look like when we don't. Something a little dirtier? <laughs> it's so important to be intentional about the source of your word so important what's your word what's the source of your word where's the source of your word and sometimes I mean that's that's pretty dramatic and that's obviously for effect sometimes it's a shade of that it's not the blackest black you know you would say and this is where most people would sort of fall you know it's not the blackest of black. so it's like uh, you know it's not that bad whatever I'm putting in is not that bad It's you know it's just it's some shade of that It's not really black, it's just kind of a grayish hue. You know, there's a lot of clear in there, but there's also, you know, just a, right? Kind of depends on what day. Mondays are like really bad, really dark. And then by the end of the week, as Sundays come in, it gets a little lighter. And then, man, we're crystal clear on Sunday, right? What's the word that you're taking into your everywhere? What's the word? It's important. It's te- we need to be intentional. We need to be intentional. As a disciple, we come to Jesus like a sponge. Like a sponge. And we say, Jesus, I want to soak all of you in. I want to soak all of you in. All that you have for me. And then when you go out into your everywhere, when you're sent into your everywhere, just as the disciples went to the village to village, preaching the good news everywhere, that's the word that they took. That's the word they took. So, what comes in goes back out. What comes in goes back out. And we want to be intentional about our source. We want to be intentional about our source as we go into our everywhere. Because I know you guys are ready to go. Good stuff. Good stuff, right? Be intentional. Be intentional. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word, your good word that you've made available to us, that you've put into us, that we then have the opportunity to just ring out whatever we have. God, I pray just for um, every person in this room to come to that place of, of business with you, a realization with you, of This is what you have. This is what you have for us. And where we're not ringing out your word, Jesus, help us do that. Help us do that. Help us be intentional. It's worth it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.